The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answers Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answers Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. This is Jordan Goodman with the Money Answers Show. My guest uh, this hour is Roger Wilner. Uh, he is a certified financial planner. He's also an MBA. Uh, he also runs a company called Asset Strategy Consultants, uh, which does uh, money management for, for people in the Chicago area. Welcome to the show, Roger. Uh, thanks, Jordan. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, just, just as a correction, Asset Strategy Consultants is actually based on the East Coast, and I'm, I'm a part. Of, I'm uh, a registered investment advisor as part of the firm, but I am the, uh, I am the Chicago office. Uh, so okay. you, you got that part of it. Good. <laughs> Very good. Just go into your background a little bit and uh, kind of your experience and your education leading up to where you are today. Okay. Well, I grew up in Wisconsin, and uh, I'm a diehard Packer fan living in uh, Chicago, but I, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, with an undergraduate degree in finance, and then I went on to Marquette University where I picked up my MBA. And uh, we've been in the Chicago area since roughly the 1986. I, I worked most of the first 14 or so years of my career in corporate finance positions, doing things like budgeting and financial analysis and financial planning and that type of thing, and always had an interest more in the investing and and, in the financial planning side of things. And so uh, in the mid-90s, I I took the CFP exam, and uh, we had very young kids at the time. My wife described that time period as feeling like a single uh, parent. And I've I've really been uh, doing this uh, since probably about 1998, um, my practice involves working with individual clients, most of whom are probably in their, their 50s or, or older, either looking to make sure they're on track to retire retirement or people that are in retirement that need help managing their overall situation and, and certainly their investments. Then the other half of my practice involves, I, I have a number of 401k plans where I work for the company and help them you know, offer the best plan that they can, and I serve as the independent uh, advisory arm, and then also I, 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 I advise a couple of nonprofit foundations, again, strictly as an investment advisor. So it, it's a little bit varied, but it all kind of really kind of ties together, and I think the skill sets from, from each one kind of lend itself to the others. And you also have a blog called the Chicago Financial Planner. What can people find on your blog? Well, I tend to write about a lot of things from my experience, so I, I tend to focus on articles concerning retirement, investing. Uh, I write a lot about 401k plans, both the plans themselves and, and from a user perspective. Um, and, and I write about one of my pet peeves are the way that um, many financial products are marketed and sold. So hopefully what, what people can, can get from the site is you know kind of my perspective from my experience. Certainly I'm not going to give anybody advice, and I would hope nobody would take a site like this and, and, and do anything without consulting a, their financial advisor or, or at least doing some additional analysis. But what I hope people take away from it is a plain English uh, view of various finance and invest, financial planning and investing topics, a little bit of my opinion spiced in there, 
and just uh, hopefully a, an unbiased, um, well, actually, I won't say unbiased, a, a biased perspective that is really geared towards wanting people to be successful. Well, we're going to get into a lot of these issues in great detail. But before, let's just kind of look at the overall view here. Uh, we've got the uh, baby boomers retiring at roughly 10000 a day, turning 65. Yep. Uh, 72 million or however many, some huge amount, will be entering or are already entering retirement now. Are most Americans who are getting to that age in pretty good shape as far as being prepared for retirement or mostly not? Are things getting better? Are things getting worse as people are entering the retirement age? You know, I don't, Jordan, I I honestly don't know if I have a good enough perspective on the whole gamut of folks because I read the same things I'm sure you do in, in the same statistics, but I can tell you about the people that I'm fortunate enough to have as clients. Usually when they... I have rarely had somebody come to me um, and, you know, you look at their situation and you go, my gosh, you know, there's no way you're ever going to retire and your, your expectations are completely out of whack. I, I think most of the people that I'm fortunate enough to attract as clients and, and that I, I have as clients uh, typically have a, are in pretty good shape or at least have a good idea of what they can do at retirement. Now, you know, maybe looking at it from another another side. You know, when I some of the four hundred one k plans that I deal with, you you get a, a wide range of, of people who are working for these various companies. Uh, you know, some people are, are big savers and you know put away a lot of money in their four hundred one k plan and in other places, and they're doing well. And, and you have a lot, a lot of other people through a lot of um, circumstances which may be beyond their control, the economy, job loss, whatever. I mean, I think there, I think there, there is a lot of um, what you described going on out there. Um, I, I think it, it's tough, and I think while I, I, in general, like 401k plans, I think the move, you know, what 25 or so years ago, where we've really gone away from the pension that that our parents had to, you know, really putting the onus on on people to save for their own retirement, I think that's tough for a lot of people. I mean, the kind of people, by the nature of it, that you're going to see. A money manager who's working with funds and ETFs and so on is going to see people who are doing okay, if not better than okay. Absolutely, and, and that, that's what I was trying to say. Thanks. Yeah. But are you worried about a broader view of lots of people? I think the latest numbers I saw, something like 40% of the people receiving Social Security is their only source of income. That is, and most that, people that have no pensions whatsoever, and there's a lot of people that you're never going to see who are not doing so well in retirement. But I just want to get a sense. I mean, this baby boom generation is the first one that had 401ks really uh, open yep. to them that they've been con- contributing to for a long time. They've got Social Security. In many cases, they don't have pensions. Some of them have investment portfolios. Some don't. There are these recent surveys that, uh, I forgot what it was, about 40% of Americans couldn't raise $2,000 if they needed to. Or, or There's just a lot of people out there who are not doing well in retirement. So maybe you're not seeing them directly, but is, is that of concern to you? It's a great concern to me. I mean, it's... You know, I think it's unfortunate. I think you know, people. You work hard all your life. You raise your kids. You you do this or whatever it is you do. And and you know, I don't want to use the word entitled, but I think people. You know, people deserve to have a comfortable retirement. And again, you know, some sometimes it's just because people didn't plan and save. But in other cases, again, it's it's just it's the economy. It's it's circumstances. It's it's whatever it is. So no, I I feel very badly for those people, and um, I think it's unfortunate. And you know, I don't know. I don't know what. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what the the quick solution is, and I don't know that there is one. But I think it, it's it's a very unfortunate situation. I think you have a lot of people who are comf- retiring very comfortably, but I think as as, as you, you mentioned, as we all and I and I'm I'm certainly a baby boomer. 
um, as we all move into retirement, I think you're going to have a group of people who are pretty comfortable in retirement, and you're going to have a people, group of people who, as you mentioned, are really going to be struggling, and that's unfortunate. On a larger scale, again, are you concerned about the entitlement programs on which people are going to be depending, Social Security, uh, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, as the baby boom approaches and enters those ages using them more, um, is this something that could be far from the future, or are these more immediate crises that people won't get the kind of uh, benefits they're expecting? Well, as I tell my three twenty-something-year-olds, just keep working harder so you can support you can pay more in the re- uh, Social Security for mom and dad. But um, um, no, I, I think they're concerns. You know, I don't know. I'm not privy to you know the the actual the details of when these things may run out of money. From what I've read. I just sneaked in at, you know, the people that are 55 and older have a reasonably good chance of getting their Social Security from what I read, and I'm, I'm 56, so, um, but no, I, I am concerned about these programs. I mean, you know, we're, you know, I live in, certainly, you know, we're all, we've all read about the Detroit situation, and I, and I live in Illinois, and our public pensions, I mean, it's a, it's a disaster. Um, you know, they just, uh, with, with the main state public pensions, you know, there they're, they're are bills in the state legislature to reduce benefits, which are, of course, being fought. And, you know, now there's another thing with the city of Chicago, which is separate, where they're, they're looking to reduce the, uh, the pensions of first responders. And it's, it's all very sad and unfortunate. And, you know, I don't think that, I, I don't think that this is the end of this, as you, as you mentioned. I think this is just the beginning. So, yeah, I am concerned about this stuff because I think a lot of people have paid into pensions and, and had expectations that if they did the right thing, that they would have, you know, a benefit of whatever. And, again, in a lot of cases, through no fault of their own, they're not going to have these benefits. And it's a little too late in your mid-50s or 60s to start over and, and start, you know, trying to accumulate uh, enough money to make up for some of these lost benefits. So I, I sadly think we're going to see a lot more things, maybe hopefully not on the magnitude of what happened in Detroit, but I don't, I don't, I certainly think that this is going to, be in the news around the country as the years go on. If you were uh, a pensioner who was expecting a pension from the state of Illinois or Sacramento or someplace that was in financial trouble, would you just exclude that pension and assume it's not going to be there? Or how would you deal with it if you've been putting money into a pension? This is defined benefit pensions we're talking about. Correct. Um, for a long time. I mean, is, you know, is this an isolated situation, or do you think there'll be many more Detroits and Illinois going forward? I, whether they're going to be in the, the magnitude of Detroit or, or, or the potential of what might happen in Illinois, I, I, I don't know. But I, I think, you know, for, if you're talking maybe people younger in their 30s, in their 20s, 30s, and such, yeah, I would tell them, you know, I, I probably would tell them, you know, not to plan on this type of thing. And to really, you know, salt it away if you have a defined contribution plan like a 403B or a 401K or whatever the case may be and, and save elsewhere. So that's exactly what I would be telling them. You know, it's a little more. I do have a, a couple of clients who are retired Illinois educators, and it does look like even under, even if the, the bill passes the state legislature, that they're by and large going to be fine. You know, but it's the people that are coming up behind them, like you say, yeah, I don't. I don't. I certainly don't think that the younger generation of teachers, for example, can can depend on the the type of benefits that you know have been there for the currently retired teachers and the the soon to be retired teachers. And so, will the uh, the four hundred one ks, or in the case of teachers, a four hundred three b defined contribution plan, if they invest it well, end up 
producing the same amount of money or similar amount of money to what they would have got with a defined benefit, or are they actually as a net loss to them? You know, that, that's a case-by-case basis. I mean, I have clients that have, you know, I, I, have, cli- I have several clients with, with seven-figure 401ks from private industry, and these weren't, you know, in a couple of cases, these weren't people that were, you know, you know senior executives. These were, these were middle managers who just put it away and did it diligently. So it can be done, but again, you know, you start to hit, you have families, you have kids, you want to put your kids through college. There, there's a lot of financial pressures on people. So, you know, is it, is it possible? Absolutely. I mean, is everybody going to be able to do it? Unfortunately not. One of the plans that was recently proposed by President Obama was this MIRA, as they call it, the MIRA, uh, aimed at lower-income people, but it, apparently it's going to go ahead. Do you think that's going to make a difference for a lot of people who don't have other retirement savings? I, th- I think it's a good start, but I think the, the problem with it is, and again, I, I will not say that I have a full understanding or any expertise, but that all said, it's my understanding that it goes primarily into government bonds, and you know, I, I just think that you know, people putting money into this thing, if that is the case, yeah, they're just not going to be able to, to earn enough to keep up with inflation over, over the years. Yeah, that's true. It is going to government right. bonds. Uh, I think so that's unfortunate because, you know, I mean, especially younger people, but even, even people in their 50s and 60s, I mean, you do need an equity allocation because, you know, inflation has been pretty benign and, and, and I think artificially held down a little bit with interest rates. But at some point, especially if the economy does, continue, does pick up, I mean, inflation will come back. Whether we're going to see the inflation of the uh, late 70s, early 80s, you know, remains to be seen. But I think it will be higher than it is now. Are you worried at all about a demographic situation similar to what's happening like in Japan or Germany or a lot of Europe today? We have a really aging population and not enough young people to support them in the U.S.? Uh, I, I don't know that I worry about it, but I think it's a, that, that, that is a realistic concern. And what should we do about it? I mean, I guess immigration is one possibility for us. Well, or, or, you know, we can go the other way and just, just mandate that everybody have three or four kids. I mean, I don't know. I'm being facetious, of course, but... <laughs> You know, my, uh, like I say, I just, just keep telling my kids to, to work hard and uh, remember mom and dad. I keep saving you. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Roger Wolner. He's a certified financial planner at Asset Strategy Consultants based in Arlington Heights, Illinois. He also has a blog you can take a look at, which is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Wolner. He's a certified financial planner. Uh, he works at Asset Strategy Consultants. He's based in Arlington Heights, Illinois, outside of Chicago. And his blog is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. Welcome back to the show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. So let's go to some specific tips. You have seven retirement investing tips that people should take. So let's start with the very first one and go through those quickly. Well, the first one is just get started. I mean, people, whatever age you are, you know, if you're young, uh, that's a great time to get started. I have a 25-year-old daughter, and uh, she was actually excited when she got out of school to contribute to her 403B at the time. And But even if you're in your mid-30s or, or older and you haven't really started saving for retirement, get started. You know, contribute to your 401K, contribute to an IRA. I mean, today is the best day to get started, and tomorrow is the second best day. Uh, well, a lot of people are, say, well, I, I can't afford it. They just say, I'm so stretched. I can't think about my retirement 30 or 40 years from now. That's what a lot of young people would say. How do you answer that? Can you, can you afford to put in 1% one or, one or 3% of your salary for starters? You know, if, you're, mean, making, if you're making $50,000 um, and you put in 3% of your salary, that's $1,500, that's something on the order of $110, $115 a month, um, and you know, maybe $60 a paycheck. You get a tax savings on it if you put it in a 401k. So it's a net net out of pocket. You're probably contributing fifty dollars. I mean, you'd spend that at Starbucks or eating out or something. I mean, you just have to have some priorities, and it seems a long way off, but it's really something that you should do. And the other thing I would say, certainly, if you're a young person and you work for a company with a retirement plan like a 401k or 403b. At the very least, you want to put in enough to get the match because if your company, you know, let's a lot of companies might a pretty typical match is if you put in six percent of your salary, they'll give you three. I mean, that's a fifty percent return on your money. I don't, you know, I don't really know where you're going to get that kind of return. Uh, a lot of, you know, it's pretty rare in the stock market, so you really don't want to give up the free money. I although I a lot of companies have been cutting back on matches lately, right? They, they have been, but it started to the pendulum started to go the other way a little bit, and I think they're still lower than, you know, pre-2008, but they've certainly come back from where a lot of companies just uh, cut them out altogether. So, you know, I, I think that is a, you know, I, the, the biggest thing, if you haven't started re- saving for retirement or you're not doing very much, get started or, 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 or try to gradually increase what you're doing. And, you know, if you look at it as, you know, I need to accumulate a million dollars and you're going, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't do that. Don't worry about it. Just start somewhere. That's how every every you know every goal gets met. Uh, every goal that gets met is it, it has to start somewhere. So if you can only put in one percent or three percent, 
do that. Maybe next year when you get a raise, you can kick that up a little bit. Just get started. That's, that's and what would be the maximum that you would put in a 401k? Well, the maximum, uh, uh, the dollar amount is $17,500 per year, which obviously could translate, will translate to different amounts for everybody's salary percentages. That's if you're 50 or under. And if you're 50 at any time during the year, you get an extra 5500 so you can put in uh, up to 23000 so do, uh, if you're offered that choice, would you do that, or, or you have alternatives as IRAs, for example? How would you split that between a 401k and an IRA? If you could potentially put that amount of money in, but you don't want to put it all in one place. Well, it really, you know, that, that's a good point, but I, I think a lot of it depends on the quality of your 401k plan. And there, there are some really good 401k plans out there. I, I know my wife's employer, uh, she works for a very large company, and they have a very, they have a lot of inexpensive funds, and it's really a good plan, so that's, really someplace that we, you know, that's the type of plan that you really want to try and maximize. Now, if you have a really lousy 401k plan with expensive funds and, you know, they're all proprietary funds from some stockbroker or something, you know, maybe that's a plan where you just want to, uh, where you just want to, you know, put in enough to get the match and then you start to look outside for um, an IRA. But remember, you know, there are limitations on how much, uh, how much you can deduct, um, how much of the IRA can be deductible? So, you know, people might want to look at a Roth IRA if you're doing an IRA or, or other things. And, and there, there's still a lot of ways that people can contribute. One thing that people don't often remember, you know, let's say, you know, let's say it, you're a couple in your mid-30s and, you know, the, the, the mother, you know, the, the wife is, is, has young kids and she's not in the workforce anymore. You know, you can still do, she could still do a spousal IRA in certain cases. So there are a lot of ways where you can, you know, really... You know, kick in smaller amounts, but you can really kind of goose up your your retirement savings. And I think it's important because, especially for younger people, and by younger, most people are younger than me. So, you know, someone in their their thirties or forties, you know, you where you still have some time, you know, just kicking it up and letting letting the investments accumulate over time, and and hopefully, you know, while you're going to have some dips in the market, hopefully, uh, earn some money for you over time. That's really how people fund their retirement. And it's, it's, there's, you know, unless you win the lottery or inherit a big amount of money, you know, it's more steady investing and continual investing that tends to do it for a lot of people that I see anyway. With IRAs, if you, if you do qualify for a deduction for an IRA, which a lot of people do not, how do you make the choice over a deductible IRA versus a Roth IRA where it's not deductible but it's growing tax-free? Well, you know, I think in a lot of cases I, I would recommend that people do some of both or, or alternate years uh, if they're eligible because, you know, down the road we have no idea what tax rates are going to be. So while, you know, with the Roth IRA, of course, you, you pay tax on that money now, you know, if, if taxes go through the roof, you know, 20 or 30 years down the road, you'll be, you know, you'll be glad when you can take that money out um, tax-free. Um, so I think a lot of it is you have to. On the other hand, you know, if you're in a if you're a high earner and you're in a high high tax bracket, certainly the deductibility now is worth a lot. And even if you have to pay taxes down the road, that is down the road. And with the time value of money, um, the taxes that you pay today may be a better deal. I guess you know there are a lot of IRA calculators out there on a number of websites, um, and that might be a way to go. But I think. You know, and I tend to preach a lot of balance, not preach, but I tend, yeah, I do tend to preach a lot of balance. So, I mean, if somebody really isn't sure and they're on the fence, you know, you can do some of both. 
something else that's out there that people, you know, are not often aware of, you know, when you talk about Roth, um, an increasing number of 401k plans offer a Roth option. And if you like the Roth, that may even be a better deal because you're limited in the amount you can contribute to an IRA, either 5500 or 6500 if you're, you're 50 or over. But, you know, with the, 401, with the Roth 401k, you can put the whole amount of your salary deferral contribution in the Roth, or you can split it or do it any way you want. The, the company match still has to go into the traditional pre-tax uh, 401k. So there's some options, and it, it all boils down. Everybody really has to look at their own situation. How about if you're a self-employed? What are some things you could use to put aside money for that? Because a lot of self-employed people don't put aside very much because they're putting all their money into their business. Right, and, and I, I, I'm very adamant when I have self-employed clients that they start some sort of retirement plan. The, the two best vehicles, in my opinion, are the solo 401k, where you can, again, you can put in the 17.5 or the 23,000, depending upon your age. And that, <coughs> excuse me, then you can do a matching contribution based on the profitability of, of your business. And again, the, the maximum there can be 51,000, you know, combined between the salary deferral and the, the profit sharing or 50, 50, a bit over 56,000 um, if you're over 50. Uh, the one rule in the, in the solo 401k is, for example, if you wanted to make, had wanted to make a contribution for 2013, the account would need to be opened by the end of the year, but the contribution can be made, you know, this into this year. So if you wanted, but if you do want to do one for 2014, certainly open it during the year. And you know, I always advise people to at least make their 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 salary deferral contributions during the year. But it's a great vehicle because you can open them at places, pretty much, you know, the Schwabs, Fidelities, TDs of the world. You know, any place you might open, you know, a lot of the mutual fund companies, and you can, you can invest in just about anything, mutual funds, stocks, ETFs, bonds, whatever, whatever it is you might uh, invest in. So that's a, that's a great vehicle, and you, certainly you get the tax deductions as well. The other vehicle, and again, if somebody wanted to make a, still make a contribution for 2013, they might consider the SEP IRA. Again, the, the maximum here is 51000 but it's based on a percentage of your compensation. Uh, typically, tw- you can do up to 25% uh, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, you know, if you pay yourself a salary. If you're just strictly self-employed, usually it works out to about 20% of whatever you earn. But again, you can make that contribution all the way up to whenever you file your return, including extensions. And again, same thing. It's a form of an IRA account. And you can invest in, in mutual funds, um, yeah, stocks, the whole, whole, whole gamut. Again, the, the Fidelity, Schwab's, TDs of the world are more than glad to help you open either type of account. Now, another thing, we've talked about IRAs, we've talked about 401ks, uh, solo 401ks. Uh, annuities is certainly an area that a lot of people use to save for retirement. And there's many different kinds. Uh, there are variables, fixed, uh, equity index, and various yeah. other ones. Um, we're about to go to a break, but just give us an overall on the pros and cons of annuities, and we'll get into the specific ones after the break. Well, I think as is, is is a vehicle, annuities are fine. They, they allow you to set aside a, lot, uh, a bit of money in, in the variations that you mentioned, and then down the road you have the opportunity to either take that money out in, in, in a lump sum, a partial withdrawal, or you can convert it to a stream of income for your lifetime or, or different other variations. The con is not so much the annuity per se, it's a lot of the annuities that are sold um, in terms of the expenses, the quality, the underlying investments, um, in the case of some equity index annuities, the level of participation in the index and 
things like that. Um, that just that whole that whole area is, is people just don't understand annuities, and when you have that type of situation, it sometimes the outcome isn't what you'd like to see. All right, we're going to get into that in more detail after the break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Roger Wollner, certified financial planner at Asset Strategy Consultants based in Arlington Heights, Illinois. His blog is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Roger Wollner, is a certified financial planner, expertise is in the retirement planning area. Uh, he works at Asset Strategy Consultants in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and he has a blog you can check out, which is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. Welcome back to the show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. We were just beginning to talk about annuities, so um, let's talk briefly about some of the pros and go through the different kinds, variable, fixed, index annuity. Let's do the pros first and then some of the cons. Well, the pros are you, you put away uh, some money in any of those varieties, and, um, you know, at some point down the road, you, you know, your money is invested, it appreciates, and you have a little bigger nest egg that you can draw on when you retire. So a variable annuity essentially has what are called sub-accounts, which to most people would look just like mutual funds. And you, you, put, you put your money in, you, you might put it in the equity index, or I'm sorry, you might put it in the, the S&P 500 fund and the bond fund or whatever, in whatever allocation you want it. And you invest your money, you can do it all at once, you can do it periodically, however it works, 
And then, you know, you know after the uh, passage of time, you know, into retirement, you have a choice to make. You can, you can take the money out as a lump sum, in which case, you know, you would pay tax on the portion that uh, was, was gained versus the amount, you know, your principal that you had put in. Um, you can take it out uh, at various times, or you can do something called annuitize it, which means, you know, based on your age, and you know, if it's if if it's joint and serv- if if it's you know sim- a single life, which means that once you start taking the payments, if you get hit by the bus, it it ends. It could be joint survivor with a spouse. It could be for a, a certain guaranteed period of time. But they'll they'll figure out your payment, and a lot of it is dependent upon interest rates. And you would get that payment for life or whatever the the time period is. Uh, with How a- do you choose amongst? I mean, you you see all these different. There's many different companies offering them. How do you choose amongst them? We're going to stay on the pro side here first before we get to the cons. With all the different companies and all the different numbers that are flowing around, the different fees, how do you choose the best one for you? Well, it's a good question, and I, I think it's tough. Uh, I tend to, you know, where I don't use annuities that much, but where I have, and it's typically where clients have come in to our relationship with an annuity that I didn't think was, was appropriate for them or, or is, is the best one for them, I would typically roll it over to a... a Low fee, no surrender charge um, company that offers those. Uh, one that I use, I'm not trying to plug anybody over anybody else. Is Vanguard is certainly one. Places like Fidelity uh, would offer them. I, I think other providers. But certainly you want to look at, at the fees. And a key thing is the surrender charge. A lot of the companies will say, you know, if you withdraw the money in, say, the first eight or 10 years, they're going to have a sliding scale. So if you if you invest in this annuity and you say, "Oops, I found a better one," it might cost you you know eight or ten percent to take your money out um, in the first year, and then it typically drops over time. So I think you really, and then you need to look at the underlying fees. You know, what are there are insurance costs with all of these annuities, which are called mortality and expense charges, and those are kind of tacked on to the cost of the underlying investment. So the mutual fund may have an a, a an expense ratio of 1%, and there might be another 1% or 1.5% for these insurance charges, and before you know it, they're taking 25 or more percent out of your investment. So so there are others that have lower expenses, you're saying? Yes, I, 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 and I think typically those are not the ones that are being sold by insurance agents or, or registered reps. How about if they offer you a bonus? You see this a lot today, where the insurance company will offer you several thousand dollars in bonus if you do it now. Is that usually a good deal? Uh, it, I'll give you the, the, the pad answer that all of us financial planners use. It depends. You really have to sit down and run the numbers. And certainly if somebody, you know, if you're putting in $50,000, i have seen, I've seen one where, you know, somebody put in $50,000 and they got something like three or $4,000 in bonuses. It, it, it wasn't necessarily the best annuity that I'd ever seen. This is something I, I saw after the fact, but it, it was a lot more palatable. But again, in a lot of cases, you, know, you also have to be aware that the company giving out the bonus may be giving out the bonus because they need to attract more money or they may not be the most financially sound company or the most well-known company. So you really have to take a look uh, at who's offering these because annuities um, are basically insured by the full faith and credit of the underlying insurance company. And if it's a Big, well-known insurance company that's financially strong. You know that that's a pretty good that may be a pretty good guarantee. But I recall uh, hearing a hearing a, a t, uh, I'm sorry a radio commercial 
last summer for a company that was offering a, a pretty high rate of interest for a fixed annuity. So, of course, and I was looking for a blog post to write, so, of course, I went home after, uh, after Walmart, which is where I was going when I heard it, and um, I looked up the company, and, you know, within, you know, two or three things, the first two or three things on Google after clicking on them, you know, the rating agencies, you know, had stopped rating them because they were concerned about their financial situation and a whole bo- a lot of other unflattering things. So that's why this particular company, you know, was offering a, a higher than uh, market rate on their fixed annuity. So I think it's like anything else. If it sounds too good to be true, it often is. And sadly, the insurance companies don't make it easy for you, for the average consumer who's, or investor who's looking to invest in one of these things for retirement to really understand the fee structure. Because I think when a lot of people, you know, when you point it out to them, they go, really, I had no idea. And, yeah. and it's sad. And, and as far as commissions, too, what kind of commissions should people expect to be paying uh, on these uh, particularly fixed and variable annuities? You know, I, Jordan, I honestly don't know since I've never worked on the commission side of the business. I, I really don't know. And, it, and for, I've never really seen a situation where the commission is is broken out separately. In other words, they just... Yes, it's, it's not. It's hidden in there. Right. So it's not so... You know, I, I don't, honestly don't know what types of commissions these uh, reps or agents are, are getting. But, on, you know, I, I would just focus on really understanding what the underlying expenses are and uh, the quality of the... In a case of a variable annuity, the quality of the underlying investments. Now, certainly, you know, again... It, you mentioned bonuses. A lot of not only do the in some cases the bonuses entail a lump sum of money, but in other cases there might be a especially in like a fixed annuity, there might be a bonus interest rate that lasts for two or three years. But what you have to understand is at some point you know that may come back down, and especially in in the current interest rate environment. And again, people also have to understand that. You know, they may be locked into this thing because the surrender charges are just too onerous uh, for people to get out of. So uh, people really have to, this is someplace where you really have to read the fine print. And I think a lot of people are, you know, they, they have an agent that they like or, you know, really nice uh, man or woman that, that's selling these things. And they're, they're really afraid to offend them by asking questions. I, I see that all too often. And, you know, this is your money and this is, this is going towards your retirement or whatever it is your you're investing for, and typically with an annuity, it would be retirement. And you really need to, you know, people ask. You know, I do a lot of research for trips and cars. You really need, you really need to ask a lot of questions when you're looking at annuities. Um, and if I can, one area particularly is, is very hot these days are these so-called index uh, uh, equity index annuities, where they're tied to the S and P 500. And then if the market goes down, you don't go down. What do you think of equity index annuities? And if so. If you like them, uh, what would be a good way to find a good one? I'm not a big fan. <laughs> and um, the way the equity index annuity works is, let's say they're using the S&P 500, as you mentioned. So you'll get a, you would get a portion of the appreciation of the S&P 500, and it would typically be capped. Maybe it would be capped at 5% a year or even you know, 10% would be very generous. And as you say, they, you know, they might guarantee that you won't lose any money or you'll make a minimum return every year of at least 1% or I've seen them where you might, you only, you could only lose up to 5%. I mean, they're all over the board. So, you know, and again, people like the fact that they're, they're safe. Uh, they're safe from loss, that is. But I would submit that, uh, somebody, even, you know, with the terrible losses we had in 2008 and 2009, 
Now, people who are long-term investors and have diversified portfolios uh, can often do far better than one of these products. Um, there is a on the the Finra website and Finra, of course, is a regulatory agency in the financial services industry. They, they do have a um, uh, a warning piece of about these type of things. So if you if you one were to Google Finra and equity index annuities, I think they'd find it. Um, again, it's not to say that you shouldn't buy them, and that they can't be part of an overall uh, mix of of investments and in vehicles that one is using for retirement, but Again, one needs to tread very carefully, and you know the the, the contracts I've read here. Sometimes, it, again, it's very tough to understand the expenses. Again, even if, and if you're paying high expenses and you're getting great returns, that's one thing. But I, you know, usually the, the two don't go together. You have on your uh, website, your blog, the uh, annuity calculator, uh, the present value of the annuity. Just tell people briefly how to use a calculator like that and figuring out if an annuity would be right for them. Well, you, you, basically, you, you input the, the information, and again, this is one that I, I borrowed from a, uh, a, a fellow blogger, if you will. He was, allowed me to use some of his calculators. But basically, the, the premise of it is, is you, you put, you know, you put the, the amount you're going to contribute to the annuity, your age, uh, when you might start taking the money out, and you know, it's going to tell you uh, what it's going to do is it's going to equate that um, and, and you'll, you'll estimate an, an, an interest rate or rate of return, and that's going to tell you what that stream of future payments is worth today, and then you can then compare that um, to other investments and see if it's truly a good deal. A lot of people who are kind of approaching retirement are very fearful of the market, particularly with what happened in 2008 and so on, and they have a lot of money in cash or treasury bonds or municipals, you think people like that are making a mistake by keeping so much in the safe alternatives? I do. And, and let me tell you why. Safe is a relative term. It's safe from what? I, I would say that in a lot of cases, and I'm not trying to belittle anybody, but I'm just saying that safety in this case is, means, of course, safety from, from losing money on your investments. And that's certainly something that I think is, is key. But I think that has to be balanced off with the fact that I would say to any retiree, especially somebody in their late 50s, you know, to mid-60s, either approaching or really on retirement, th- their biggest concern should not be whether they lose money, part some money on their investments. It's whether they will earn enough to outlive their, uh, earn enough to keep ahead of inflation so that they don't outlive their money. Because even at, say, 3% inflation, you know, that would cut somebody's purchasing power in half in 24 years. And, you know, if you're 65, you know, 24 years out, it's pretty likely that, especially with a married couple, you know, one of them might live to, you know, their late 80s, early 90s. That's, that's more and more, you know, the case these days with, with better health and longevity and all that type of stuff. So don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, um, I'm not saying they should invest like a 25-year-old and go 80 or 90% in equities or, or more, but certainly a balanced portfolio that allows people to have, you know, certain buckets, if you will. You know, there's maybe you have a certain amount, a certain number of years set aside in cash, so you know that you're going to have two or three years worth of your spending needs from your nest egg in cash, and you're not going to have to go into the market and sell in a downturn. Then maybe there's another layer that's a little more aggressive, but, you know, maybe not stocks or not real aggressive stocks, and that's going to give you some moderate growth with, with a lot less downside than, say, the general market. And then your third bucket is, is, is stocks, you know, that will give you enough to keep ahead of inflation. And the, 
the size, you know, the relative percentages of these buckets and that type of thing is going to vary by person. The amount of money that they need to have set aside in cash will vary both by their, their tolerance for risk and, you know, the, 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 how much they need, how much growth they might need. But that's a general principle that I use with most retirees. You know, you just don't want people, <clears throat> excuse me, to have to go into the market in, in 2008 and sell off, you know, half of their portfolio in order to meet their income needs. Which happened to a lot of people, yes. And it did. Okay. Certainly. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Roger Wollner, a certified financial planner with Asset Strategy Consultants in Arlington Heights, Illinois. His blog is the, the ChicagoFinancialPlanner.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Roger Wilner, a certified financial planner and asset strategy consultant based in Arlington Heights, Illinois. He has a blog you can take a look at, which is thechicagofinancialplanner.com. Welcome back to the show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. So one of the blogs you wrote about was, uh, is $100,000 a year retirement doable? So what does it take for somebody, kind of average income and so on, to be able to create $100,000 a year in retirement income? Well, you know, I kind of worked through it here a little bit on the blog, but essentially uh, to generate $100,000, in this case, the example I used here, I assume that somebody had either, you know, Social Security and perhaps a pension, and then they also would take money out of their um, their nest egg, four hundred one ks, IRAs, what what have you. So in this case, you know, again, this is a rule of thumb, and I wouldn't take it to the bank, but just you know, for kind of back of the napkin thinking about this type of stuff, 
there's it's called the four percent rule, and a a, a fellow financial uh, fee only financial planner thought this up, you know, maybe twenty odd years ago. So basically, what it says is, if you have a million dollars accumulated in your retirement accounts, you can take out four percent, and that should that should last you thirty thirty five years. So in that situation, you have somebody with a million dollars, so they take out four percent, so that's forty thousand of the hundred thousand. Uh, the husband and wife, and I assume that there was another forty thousand between them, um, you know, from their social security. From they, they had worked uh, their whole lives, and you know, so they had that. They, may, you know, a lot of people have a little bit more of that. So that leaves you know twenty thousand that they that they need uh, to get from from something someplace else, and that could come, you know, perhaps they have a pension, uh, perhaps that you know they they might work into retirement, perhaps. Um, you know, perhaps they may have an investment um, in a business. Uh, perhaps if they work for a company, they have they have things like stock options or 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 the like. Perhaps they have you know they have something like we talked. Perhaps they have an annuity or they have something else. So basically, you have to look at. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, whatever amount you're trying to get to, and, and the hundred thousand seems to be a number that a lot of people. You know, middle, middle, and up, upper middle income people are trying to get to. Um, it's typically a, a, a several-legged stool. So you have Social Security, you have a certain portion that you would take out from your nest egg. If you're fortunate enough to, to have some sort of pension, you know that's a piece of it. Um, and then certainly, you know, a lot of people I see are not so much retiring cold turkey and going fishing, so to speak, but maybe people are, are easing into retirement. So in other words, they might instead of working full time, they might scale back. Whether they, you know, they stay on at their their old company or they they do something where they're working part time. So that might generate some of the income, uh, that type of thing. And so, so basically, you're saying it's possible if you put it all together, it is possible. It's very to possible. Put it. I, I see it on a pretty regular basis. So okay, there was a, a PBS uh, Frontline uh, documentary a little while ago uh, about the retirement gamble, where they were pretty tough on. 401k and other plans and financial advisors. You wrote a whole blog about that. Can you just tell us briefly what what your view was of of their view of uh, how the retirement game is being played today? I thought on the one hand, they did a very nice job in pointing out some of the high expenses and some of the plans that aren't so good and and some of the uh, advisor um, plans through, you know, that that where maybe the advisors are getting an an unreasonable amount of compensation. you know, so I, I thought the, the high expense piece of it that they pointed out was, was was really well done. I think what I didn't really agree with is I thought that the piece was exceedingly biased. So in other words, what they're saying is if you're not investing exclusively in index funds, you know, your, your plan is, is terrible. And there are a lot of good 401k plans out there, and I also... Um, again, through my own experience with clients and other people I know, there are a lot of people that have accumulated a very significant nest egg, and they're not necessarily, as I mentioned earlier, they're not necessarily CEOs or high-paid professionals, but you know, they're they're just people that have, have diligently saved and invested during their working years, and they've they've amassed a nice amount in their 401ks, and they didn't show anybody like that. So they, I think they basically painted. The 401k is, is a failure, and that's that's just not the case. It's not perfect. 
And, and it's a lot better than people had before when they only had a defined benefit pension plan and say much on their own. Right. We've got about three minutes to go. I just want to briefly go over what you call your five steps to a lousy retirement. <laughs> so tell us what those are. Well, you know, I would wait till you know, the, the very top of the market and, and put all my money to work in stocks. Um, I think if you invest in a lot of high-cost uh, broker-sold mutual funds or proprietary mutual funds all from the same company, you know, and you, you invest in funds that have very high expenses and surrender charges, I, I, you know, that's certainly a way to mess things up. I think making financial decisions based on emotions versus logic and planning is, is, is another piece that people should avoid. It, it, and we talked a little bit about this before, you know, not taking full advantage of your workplace retirement plan, the 401k or what have you. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. And, you know, again, 401k, plan, your, your plan may not be perfect, but especially if you get a match, you want to you wanna utilize that to a great extent because saving through salary deferral can be pretty painless. And, you know, the last one, which is my favorite, is you know, don't plan for retirement, just wing it. You know, um, lottery tickets and, you know, hoping that there's some relative that you weren't aware of that leaves you a, a vast sum of money. Those are all things that if they happen, that's great, but I, I don't know that I'd uh, bank my retirement on any of them. Yeah, this is what I call the white knight strategy, the white knight to save, save you from all your bad habits, basically. That's right, that's right. So, um, based on the experience you have, what difference does it make to, to imp- implement these things as opposed to the way most people do it, which is probably a lot of these things you just said, they're investing in high-cost funds, they're winging it, they're not taking full advantage of their foreign place, and they're investing at the top of the market. I mean, here we've had the market up a lot and money's pouring in now, whereas at the bottom, everybody was jumping out. What is your experience of what's actually happening in the real world as opposed to what you say people should be doing? Well, I think it's all over the board, but, you know, there, there certainly are people, you know, I, I, I get calls, not so much from my clients, but maybe from prospective clients who say, you know, is this a good time to invest? And it's not to say that people shouldn't invest just because the market's high. That doesn't mean it can't, you know, it certainly can go higher. But I think people ought to be leery, and there certainly is more risk now than, than there was, you know, five years ago. I mean, we're, we're you know, five, almost five years into a, a pretty torrid stock market rally off the lows in March of 2009. I think that people ought to, you know, to me, the people that are successful are the people that are planners, or that, that do planning, for whether they, they hire somebody to do it, whether they do it themselves. But you really have to think about what are you trying to accomplish where are you trying to get to? And, you know, also take a look at, you know, where am I now and what's the gap? What do I need to fill in, do to fill in that gap? Am I, am I contributing as, as much as I can to, to my retirement? And, and as much as I can means as much as I can afford. Um, do I have a plan? You know, a lot of what I see from folks, especially, you know, you get into your mid-40s, early 50s, you work for a number of companies, you have all these old 401k plans and IRAs and, you know, nobody's focusing on, on the, the total. They're just looking at individual parts. So you may have a portfolio that's, that's taking on more risk or, or not enough risk. And, you know, I think you really just need to sit down and figure out the steps that you need, you know, where you are, where you want to get to, and what resources you have, and kind of put that all together into a plan. And it's not a guarantee of success. But I think it certainly beats the alternative of just kind of winging it and hope you, hope you get there. 
Absolutely. Very good. Well, very much. Uh, I appreciate my uh, guest this hour has been Roger Wilner. Uh, he's a certified financial planner at Asset Strategy Consultants. He's based in Arlington Heights, Illinois. If you want to see his writings on a regular basis, you can go to the com. You can see his blog. And thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Roger. Thanks, Jordan. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 